Scott and Liam versus Evil. I'm gonna start drinking early in this episode. <laughs> I've been practicing that for like three days. What was it supposed to be? Just my. What do you mean? It was supposed to be? It was my Western song. Oh, your, your Western song? Scott's Western song? Yeah. Or was it like a particular Western song? I think it was a mix of. It was maybe the uh, Gunman of the Apocalypse from uh, Red Dwarf. And it was maybe their Western song. Because it sounded like Sergio Leone if Sergio Leone. Was, was badass, yes, yes, I know. <laughs> no, like if, some, if a deaf mute had <laughs> watched a Sergio Leone film and then tried to replicate it. Right. See, I could do all the parts though. How am I supposed to do the yeehaws and the, the noises and, and the horse gallops as well? You could have done that on the, the desk. I don't have a desk. I don't have a couch. You could have done it on the couch. I will. I, thought, I just thought. I would just look beatbox it and do you know what to be perfectly honest I think I've done no bad <laughs> I'll leave that up to the group <laughs> to decide <laughs> welcome to Scott and Liam versus Evil episode 92 I'm Liam and I am Scott you still not going to call yourself by your cowboy name what was that again Scotty the Kid uh, I don't actually made come up with one I think it was Liam the Kid I don't know Liam the Kid no I think it was uh, I think it was uh, old stinky Liam and uh Stinky prospect of Liam and uh, <laughs> Scotty the Kid. I think if we were doing it by age, it would be old, old, old prospect of Scott <laughs> and Liam the Kid. Alright. <laughs> uh, so this week, it's Scott's pick and you might have guessed it by looking at the poster or reading the episode name or for that absolute shambles that you just listened to, that it's a cowboy film. Yes. Would you like to reveal it, Scott? Yes, this film is called Bone Tomahawk. It came out in 2015. It's de- it was the debut of S. Craig Zahler, and it stars Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, uh, Richard Jenkins, and David Arquette. The woman from Cold Case. Sid Haig and the woman from Cold Case, who I imagine is Lily Simmons. Uh, no, she's, the, she's Kurt Russell's wife. Ah, right, okay. Then I do not know. Catherine Morris. Yes. Catherine. Why? Do you, do you actually watch Cold Case? I used to, because when she was in Cold Case, I used to think, oh man, she's fucking tidy. She still is hot as well. But now now, now it's 2018 and I don't watch, like, I don't judge women solely on their looks because they have some, they have uh, skills as well. See so yeah, skills. They have, they're good actors. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this is a good cast. Uh, <laughs> It's a good cast, at least a lot of recognisable faces, certainly. Like, obviously, Kurt Russell, massive, but then um, Patrick, Patrick uh, Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for anybody who didn't know. We didn't notice this um, when we talked about our Insidious episode. I called Patrick Wilson Patrick Stewart, and neither the two of us noticed, and clearly, because nobody pointed out, neither, neither you noticed either. Uh, Liam put it on the edit, but so that's that joke. So I will try my best to call him Patrick Wilson. That's his name, Patrick Wilson. <laughs> 
Yeah, Patrick. Listen. Yeah, uh, throughout this whole episode, but forgive me if I call him Patrick Stewart. Um, I, I, I don't think Andy listens to the episodes because in the Fright Fest, was it the last episode or the Fright Fest episode, uh, I left some DJ scratches over the top of my voices <laughs> and nobody pointed it out until Lena was listening. So you guys are actually being really, really kind and nice to us or... None of you listened to the Fright Fest episode. Yeah, just pretending to listen. I think that's. I listened to it and I thought, I thought, what's, what's Liam doing here? But I, but I didn't. I was just too polite to say it to you because it's, it can't be it can't be changed by this point. I, I take it you've just seen how creative I am, and you think that anything I do is a creative decision rather than a mistake. Yeah, the way that like people probably kicked about in Andy Warhol's loft and just thought like any old shite he had in it, and just thought, oh, this must be brilliant because like, normally Andy Warhol's so great. Good. So you're treating me like you would treat Andy Warhol if you were in his loft. Brilliant. Uh, the synopsis for Bone Tomahawk is In the dying days of the Old West, an elderly sheriff and his posse set out to rescue their town's doctor from cannibalistic cave dwellers. Uh, we'll play the trailer and then you just get straight in it because I can tell you're ever so slightly excited. Oh, I'm very excited. I'm fully erect. Bracing. This is going to penetrate. Good evening. Civilized towns. You look a man direct in the face when you talk to him. This isn't comfortable. Oh, it's not supposed to be. Here's a uh, situation. Serious. Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. She is my everything, and those savages have got her. God knows what they're doing to her in every second. They'll be delayed. You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm, I'm coming with you. No, no, I need you here. And this is what a backup's for, to help an emergency, not stay back. I'm coming. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding long and sleeping the bare minimum. I don't know what's west of here. No cattle trailer or anything else goes in that direction. If our horses die before we get there, or we go into hostile territory, weak and foggy with exhaustion, we won't rescue anybody. Don't be scared. I am a friend. You aren't. Damn you! You had no cause. If you want to question my morals, do it later. Bless us, O Lord, and these that gifts which we are about to receive. I can't, I couldn't say came out loud, that's so weird. Oh man. Oh, sometimes my sister listens to these episodes. <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, this movie is 
fucking bright. It really is. It's. I didn't know anything about it before it came out. Obviously, it's, it's just relatively new, but I wasn't like aware. I wasn't waiting for it to lead up. Um, I think it was Fish that's been on the, the show a few times. I think he put it to our attention, I think, or certainly to my attention, I believe. And um, oh, it's just so good. It's a Western, but it's also a kind of horror, slight, slightly supernatural because there's elements that aren't like realistic to real life. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just fucking love it. Especially now that I'm totally in a mega cowboy phase. To be honest, you're actually getting to the point that you don't need to call it a phase anymore. You can just it's a, way, call it... a way of life, which is the cowboy way. It is a way of life. <laughs> Have you actually went to try to round up any cattle or horses yet? I actually uh, googled uh, horse riding. Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fifty-five quid a lesson. I thought, and I bet you they made me. You wear one of these stupid hats. I bet you can't even wear like a cowboy hat or like normal clothes. You need to wear these stupid uh, jodhpurs and these. It's like, what do you call it, helmets? Yeah, like the, the things that keep you safe and keep you not being Christopher Reeve. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Those things. <laughs> so are you going to go for it? No, I mean, <laughs> realistically, it's probably a daft idea. <laughs> realistically, it, it, it doesn't make sense unless you own a horse. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I can't see you owning a horse anything. I've got so. nowhere to put it. <laughs> yeah, well, it saved me cutting the grass if it was something they'd eaten all the time. I don't think Bailey would like a, a horse in the back garden. It is like it with squirrels in the back garden, so I can't imagine what it'd be like if there was a horse there. I also don't think horses eat grass. Do they not? What do they eat? Hey. But is that not just like dead grass? Like white grass? I don't know. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you know what horses eat, let us know. Yeah, fuck, I'd make a great cowboy, wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, right, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, bone tomahawk. So it starts off. It starts off. We've got our uh, two kind of robbers um, out in the wilderness, like just like shooting up folk uh, for you know just to rob them. And it's uh, David Arquette and um, Sid Haig. And they go across. They, they find. Uh, I can't remember. They start to hear things, or they start to feel as if there's somebody. Uh, they shoot their gun and then realise there's there's uh, horses chasing them. So the, the the guns alerted some kind of foe to them, and they and they head across into this uncharted territory when they find. Um, like a site, like there's something like uh, skulls, I think it is, in a like a Indian burial ground, and they're like, oh, is that a sign? Maybe we should keep out. And they're like, nah, let's keep going. Like, just that's not what they say, but that's eventually what they choose to do. And I thought this is the classic home invasion story that we've discussed quite a few times, uh, a la um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where we're villainizing the victim. Uh, so like they, they should never, and they're anyway not upset in the first place. However, as this goes on, it just turns out that no, they're. The absolutely murdering savages, but um, <laughs> at this point it could have been either, either way. Yeah. <laughs> see if you had cut off people's heads, right, to display them around your shrine. Like, say, like you'd cut off a couple of people's heads and uh, like cracked open the skull and put some flowers in it and and hung them outside your front door, right? Mm-hmm. Would you want them to be skulls, or would you prefer them when they had skin on them? Like, is that like you know when you see that in this movie that's like skulls, like bone skulls? Would is that like keeping flowers in a vase long after they're dead? And they've got it shriveled up. Uh, I, I would assume so. I think they probably get put out with skin on them, yeah. But yeah. it's now just at the point that the animals and shit have eaten. Maybe horses. Maybe that's what yeah. Horses. It's the skin of <laughs> dead, dead, dead faces. Uh, the skin has then been eaten away and disappeared. But I think it looks way more badass to have a skull outside. It also smells less. Yeah, I mean, it looks badass to have a skull. It, it would look fucking terrifying to have a head 
Aye, but but as a as a point of preference with slight OCD and wanting things to be clean, I think I would definitely prefer the skulls. Just the skulls. <laughs> I'd want all the skin removed. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I think at this point it's pretty brutal to begin with. Uh, I just don't want you. It's brutal to begin with when Dewey and uh, Captain Spalding are, are stabbing the, the the family, like stabbing them in the throat, and that is properly like brutal. Uh, then the, the knife, the knife just doesn't cut through. It's as if yeah, it's that's what it is. Cut. Yeah, that's what it is. He really properly slices it, and I thought, "Fucking hell, this is only like thirty seconds in." So this, these dodgy uh, Indians are chasing them, or Native Americans, or whatever they're supposed to be. Uh, chases uh, Dewey out, out, and he takes he goes away with the loot, all the stolen loot, and you see him at the, when he gets to the, whatever town it is that he meets him. He literally buries his loot in a known hole. Like yeah. you see that, like like surely, like I don't know what. Was it to com- uh, convey panic that we've seen that he's so he's, he's so like desperate to just get out, like get somewhere that he feels safe that he's he can't even dig a hole like to put a bag in like two feet even a foot he's literally d- dug like five inches and he and like he's probably like really kind of hungry and thirsty and weak so he can't really dig a hole with his wee weak fingers. <laughs> we? uh, but I so they 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 come across these sleeping cowboys that they kill to rob and then one of these unknown savages comes out of absolutely nowhere and brutalises Captain Spalding and David Arquette gets away. Yes? Yes. You're so excited that you were all over the place there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, so um, David Arquette's got away and now he's in the saloon, yeah? Yes, he's okay. in the town of, is it Bright Hope or yeah. Bright Fall? Uh, Bright Hope. And in walks Jack from Lost. Now, I think he should have got a lot more work time than he appears to have had. Like, really, really good in Lost. I do. Well, I think he's really good in Lost, but I just think the whole thing with that is that everybody else just couldn't be bored with Lost after, like, season two. Do you think uh, Jack's really good in this movie, though? Yes. Yeah, so they yes. are. And do you think he was good when he played that, uh, when he was the bad guy? He was, like, uh, I think it was one of, that, one of these writers, uh, Books. It wasn't Jack Reacher, was it? No, it's Tom Cruise. But he was the bad guy in a in a, in a kind of spy novel book. It doesn't matter. He was really good in that as well because he lost like he lost like two or three stone to play as this wee ropey, like skinny, like crazy guy, and he was really good at it. Um, so that's just because I think from that I think he should have a lot more work. But anyway, he comes strolling in in his white suit, looking like all Colonel Sanders, checking, making sure he's uh, not an inch out of place, so vain. And then we. Uh, right, so we're introduced to Kurt Russell at this point as well, and you know he plays a good cowboy, and he should because uh, since he based a lot of his delivery and most uh, most of his movies on John Wayne, a fact that was meta parodied in Death Proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got a book, Pilgrim. Your name goes in the book, Pilgrim. I sp- yeah, thank you. I spoke to Playboy in the seventies, Pilgrim, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> 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 Throw a wee bit of Forrest Gump at the end there. <laughs> uh, what's next? Cowboy Six. Uh, right, wait, so we're, we're introduced <laughs> to Kurt Russell as the sheriff uh, and his kind of reserve deputy, played by Richard Jenkins, who's like the kind of comic relief who is outstanding. Oh, you get Oh, yeah, 100%. And the kind of co- comedy bits balance perfectly with like the tension and the violent bits. And Richard Jenkins has seen David Arquette outside the town burying something, and he thinks, no, there's something not quite right about him. 
Pilgrim and he wants Kurt Russell to go and confront him at the bar so he goes and confronts him at the bar yep but we, we do um, I believe we do jump to Cowboy Sex before we get back to the bar yeah because this is an Oscar yeah. <laughs> and side boob as well right we can we can cut to the sex bit now yeah. right okay yeah Cowboy Sex and side boob now I think it's funny because obviously reverse cowgirl is is that position only if she's facing the other way which is technically just like lying down doggy like so lying back just be cowgirl but that's just cowgirl yeah which is that a thing they done back then because they were all like um, doing it for Jesus and that, so it was always missionary, which then he does do. He flips it over and says, let's do it the right way. Well, I, I don't know. He is also, he's actually really lucky for a couple of reasons. One, he's got a smoking hot wife. Two, he's got a broken leg. And surely a broken leg back then was a certain death sentence, you know? A million ways to die in the West and all that. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> episode is all over the place. <laughs> There's three, three reasons why you should be happy. One, uh, he's got a smoke my wife. <laughs> right, so we cut back to the bar, and uh, there's like some cowboy phrases. I like the I like the delivery and I like the um, the script. But how did they know what people talked like back then? They. Well, to be, it wasn't that long ago. Oh yeah, that's that, that's true enough. I remember one time um, when I was in night shift, and I was like just googling through famous uh, cowboys like Billy the Kid and um, uh, Buffalo Bill and the rest of it. And one of them was some one guy was a gunslinger, not a movie famous one, but uh, an actually famous one. And he died in like 1959, mm. which I think oh. fascinating. Well, the cowboy era was like 1860 to 18. Like eighty odds, eighteen nineties, late nineties. Like Red Dead Redemption is set in like eighteen ninety odds, and that's like the last of the gunslingers kind of thing. Yeah. So they obviously they would then have had theater and pictures and stuff that would then have been on through generations. So that is probably how they talked. Like uh, I think it's uh, Deputy Dewey. He goes, "You've been squirting lemon juice in my ass since you came in here." <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Kurt Russell confronts David Arquette, and it kind of kicks off a wee bit. Yeah, um, he doesn't. What does he do? He's, he's just kind of suspicious and evading the questions. And then does he try and run? He tries to run, and he pushes Richard Jenkins out of the way. And Kurt Russell, being the badass motherfucker that Kurt Russell is, shoots him. Yeah, and so so then they obviously want to fix him. Um, I think Kurt Russell just couldn't be bothered chasing after him so he thought well I'll stop him running and I'll shoot him in the leg <clears throat> as you would it turns out Patrick Wilson's wife is a doctor yep. or a medicine woman and uh, that's probably why that's probably how, why he's lucky because luck number one is uh, joins into luck number two he's smoking a hot wife healed his broken leg <laughs> so, heal his broken well leg. she made sure that they get infected um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Matthew Fox, uh, Jack from Lost, gets sent to fetch Patrick Wilson's wife to come to the sheriff's office to uh, fix up, sew up, and clean up the um, the vagrant Patrick Wilson. If you make any flirtatious remarks in my wife's presence, there will be a reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> You're now trying to make them also look John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so my notes again, they're always nonsense when I try and read them back. My next note, my note is, so how far away is the town to the doctor's house? Didn't get the impression so far that it was any kind of distance. Also, there have been no horses yet in this cowboy movie. 
the house would still have been like a few buildings along. It wouldn't have been far at all. Yeah, but far enough also. Bear in all these wee kind of saloon towns. You should know since you've watched all these cowboy films. These saloon towns are like so confined. Yeah, you so get you, you get the strip with your general store and you get your saloon and then you get the above the saloon where all the hookers stay and then you've got like as you further out your farmhouses and stuff all dotted around about. So no, it won't be too far. No, but you know, right, there's a there's a trope here in this movie, and it's um, to give an eerie presence at night. Cover your scene in some sort of fog, uh, fog or smoke that's thick in the moonlight. Uh, so what is that in real life? Oh, that kind of fog and smoke doesn't exist. But trust me, if we do it often enough, people won't question it. You know, it's like the when the stable hand goes to the stable. And it's just like this smoke just blown, blown over the thing. I think, what exactly is that? Fog's never that thick. Is something on fire? No. But we just watch it and don't think any of it. We just think, oh, it must be night time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're conditioned. We've been conditioned into believing that, that fog blows over like that. Of all the things that we are being conditioned to think from movies and stuff, I think the fact that fog and smoke might come at night is probably one of the least worrying things. Yeah, but you've never even noticed it before until I've just pointed it out. So how many things are we conditioned to we don't even notice that we've been conditioned to? You need that. You need somebody that's you know somebody that's fight for pointing these things out, fight for our freedoms of condition. I am never letting you pick another cowboy film again. <laughs> You're drunk on cowboy love. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, right, so then, uh, so the stable boy looks into the, uh, the the bar at the stable and the Indians are in there and they're kind of blending in with the horses and he's kind of run back and forth and then slit his throat and stab him with an arrow. Um, and it's quite brutal, again. It's very, very brutal. It's, it, doesn't, it pulls no punches. So the stable boy's dead and the sheriff's about to get informed of this that's happened. Now, Kurt Russell gets up, takes all the time to get dressed and go to the barn, and we see Richard Jenkins there rushed out of bed in his long johns. It's typical, isn't it? Sheriff Kurt Russell's just like, guy, I'm get washed and dressed, but deputy's like, no, come on, no time. <laughs> no? Aye. Yeah. <laughs> What point are you making? <laughs> uh, I don't, this is just the things that I'm noticing as I'm watching it. Like maybe people, are, maybe other people who are uh, critically analysing movies will say the theme here, or you know, the, the shot was good because the A, B, and C. I'm just like, well, he's wearing his jammies, and you know, I think it's unfair. <laughs> I think he's wearing his jammies though to show that he's kind of all over the place. He's not as polished or as kind of professional as Kurt Russell or the deputy. He is just a kind of, he's not a vagrant himself, but he's he's just a bit haberdash. Yeah, like my next note, like, like you had mentioned earlier, there is an element of humour dotted through this script, but it doesn't distract from the overall tone. And Richard Jenkins' character has a, a comic wit. Um, and then also, I've moved on to when they're back in the saloon and you get the little diminutive mayor and his overbearing wife. Um, there's an interesting kind of comedy part that kind of, finished up that scene because they don't really play a big part in it after yeah, yeah, after they go, yeah. so they've found the dead stable boy the practical effects in this movie are fucking brilliant but yeah. they are in all Zala's films they're so you can tell that it's practical effects it's not like it's a 100% convincing that oh my god that head's just get bashed in but it still looks brutal 
and with the sound effects and stuff, it still makes you wince, it still turns you away. And I think that's what's absolutely amazing about this film. Yeah, absolutely. So he's been done in, and they go back to the jail cell and find out that the doctor's wife, Patrick Wilson's wife, is missing, along with the real deputy and David Arquette. Oh yeah, sorry, because Richard Jenkins wasn't actually the deputy because the deputy had been injured. Yeah, right. He, so he, he's just the, the he backup the deputy. deputy. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. But Richard Jenkins also lost his wife, so he was just Kurt Russell's obviously been like. Let's just throw him a bone. He really yeah. looks up to me and let's give him a role and let's make him do something so he maybe doesn't fall to a drink or whatever else Cowboys fell to back yeah. then. Yeah. Gambling. Hookers. <laughs> they start a hunting, a get together a hunting party uh, to go and find them. Just uh, change your language up a bit there. They get together a hunting party? No. What did they get together? I don't know. A posse, Liam. A posse. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> so they get together a posse yeah. to go and find the wife, the deputy, and David Arquette. And Patrick Wilson, he's not having it. He's like, I might have broke my leg, but it's my wife. I'm fucking coming ways. And they're like, no, you're no. It's an eye, but arm. Like, no, but you're no. It's an eye, but arm. And then eventually... He is included in the posse. Yeah, it's like, um, and it's also because you can't. That's the one of the things you can't. Argue. Like Kurt Russell says it. He says we are both me and Patrick Wilson going because we've got no choice. So who's coming with us? Mm-hmm. And everybody else is like fuck that man, except obviously um, Richard Jenkins and uh, Jack from Lost who just thinks he's a bad bastard. Yeah, and the new type because he's got a good hand. He can. He's killed more. Indians, as he calls them, uh, engines, more Native Americans than anyone else. Yeah. So they need him as backup. At this point, Kurt Russell starts making himself some sandwiches to take away with him in the house, and he's cutting his cheese really thick. And I turned to Lena and I was like, "Jen, Kurt Russell cuts his cheese that thick in real life?" <laughs> and she looked at me, she went, that's the stupidest <laughs> fucking question you've ever asked me." But you know, that's like the thing. But is that like set for the time? Is that like cowboy time? Like, would you? I mean, I know I'm, I'm writing any cowboys in that in like the old west, but I don't really know. Like, did they have like bigger chunks and chunks of bread? Like, was it less refined as we have it today? That's a good point. Exactly. We're, yeah. no, we're still nowhere closer to finding out how Kurt Russell likes his cheese for his sandwiches. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be as thick as it does in the movie. But I can imagine back then it was just like you grab a bit of bread, you grab a bit of cheese, you grab a bit of meat and you smoosh it together. Because it's also it. more for energy, wasn't it? Energy and sustenance rather than like, oh, I'm eating a piece. Like, because we don't, yeah. we eat for flavour today. That's why there's an obesity problem in the world, well, for the Western world. If you do pack lunch boxes now, you cut them into wee tiny, easy to handle sandwiches. Whereas cowboys do it the way like, like me eating a kebab at three in the morning. Where you are, you have one hole, and everything in that thing's good in that hole at the same time. Yeah. So, cut Russell. How do you cut your cheese? I've also got a question about the water back then too. You know how, because at one point, very soon after they ride off into the um, on the posse, they stop to fill up their water yeah. bottles. Now, how how did they know back then what water you could drink? Did they just always boil it, or did they just all get dysentery? I think dysentery was dysentery. Rife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. They do have a... a, a oh, also, uh, the horses have arrived, people. The cowboys are riding horses. 
my note is uh, I wish I could ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> is that then when you went and searched? <laughs> it might, it might have been. <laughs> um, they have a discussion about wives, and uh, Jack from Lost says that he's smarter than all, all three of them men, and they say, well, that's not true, how do you say that? And he says, smart men don't get married. <laughs> <laughs> just keep your opinions yeah I'm them. not touching that one <laughs> yeah. so yeah so the, the reason they're riding out we are all over the place here the reason they're riding out is because they have a Native American member of the town who has seen the arrowhead and said that it's actually it belongs to this kind of mad beastly clan that aren't like other Native American Indians that are something worse than that so then that's when they go right fuck it let's go and find these kind of uh, troglodytes yeah troglodytes that's what they call them yeah so uh, yeah so they're riding off and now the, um, they have like a telescope what do you call it a magnifying glass what do you call it but it's like a one-eyed telescope I think it's still called a telescope telescope but uh, what do you call them when it's two eyes oh, uh, binoculars binoculars I binoculars fuck of course Uh I hopefully will not be in the next 20 minutes if I have to listen to any more of your random fucking ramblings. Right, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to pre-read some of these notes and then skip over ones that um that you don't you won't want to hear. But Good, before I skip over this episode, one, 93 episodes in, you've finally done that. Before I skip over this one, it was because I've talked about the telescope. It was because they keep calling it the German, and he says if uh, you you can't use it because if you broke it, would you go to Hamburg to buy a replacement? Like, How long did it take cowboy folk to go on holiday? Like for him, if he went to Germany, it probably took about six years round trip. It's taken them six days to ride across the fucking fields. I doubt he actually went to Germany. He probably bought it off some sort of travelling salesman, and because it was a genuine, genuine, uh, genuine German thing, that's why he's like, "Oh well, would you go to Germany and get me another one?" Because as if it's so rare, he can't just pick it up. There's a good chance he never actually went to Germany, especially for holiday. I don't think cowboys had holidays. That's uh, that's a good point. Especially in Germany. Yeah. So, um, so as they're, they're travelling through the kind of the plains, um, and the uh, like, we get to see like Patrick Wilson struggling, like his legs hurting him because not anywhere near close to being healed, and uh, it does is that's fucked. You can see it's like all red and inflamed. But it was a different time back then as well. They've got her, they've got his wife's medicine bag, so he's got like some painkillers and stuff. It was such a different time back then. It was like, uh, Doctor, I've got some pain. Okay, take this heroin followed by some cocaine. That'll sort you out. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it's just all legal back then. Yeah, it's ma- magical times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just give um, heroin to babies. What was it? Opium. Yeah. Laudanum. Used to give to babies and that. Well, look, those babies all grew up into respectful adults. 
in like the early 1900s that all behaved whereas kids now are wee bastards yeah exactly because they, they don't get enough heroin everything everything that kids do wrong you need to blame the previous generation for yeah so maybe we should all be giving the Wayne's smack again uh, right so they are sleeping at one point in the middle of nowhere and uh, Jack from Lost has been setting up like perimeters around the uh, the camp and saying how like if it, if it wakes you up then shoot first and ask questions later basically that's his motto of unknown people so they get woken up by uh, two two guys coming wandering into camp I think they I think they announce themselves on the way down and they get told to throw their guns and to light a match to show themselves. It's like, how long did the matches burn for? Did you notice that? They burn for, like, a match will burn for, like, 10 seconds, 15 seconds before it burns your fingers. These guys, this is a whole scene, both of them. But, but they're maybe just longer. Yeah, maybe they don't really know how to properly make a match, so it's maybe absolutely chock full of gunpowder, or whatever it is. That... <laughs> Guy gunpowder, yeah, gunpowder. Yeah. <laughs> they make a... Stop, like, stop talking about this shit. <laughs> right, okay, right, okay, right, right. An important part of the movie. So, um, they're they're saying that it's just the two of them. They're they're not armed because they threw their guns. They just uh, want some help or want some food or whatever. And Kurt Russell's like trying to get some information off them, and then Jack just shoots the Mexicans, shoots the both of them dead. The following standoff between him and Kurt Russell is how my inner leadership turmoil would fare, like between doing the right thing and doing the smart thing. In this situation. If it was real life, you are one million percent Richard Jenkins. What? <laughs> you aren't even in the leadership uh, dispute. <laughs> Do you know what? But in in the course of this movie, I'd I'll take that. Yeah, over the course of it, that's fine. But at this point, you're neither Kurt Russell nor Matthew Fox. I'm probably the dead Mexican, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're actually the guy that's back in the town that went, no, 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 I've still got horse riding lessons to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't take a break for these lessons. Yeah, I'm one of the guys in the saloon who just kept quiet and hid in the back when he said, who's coming? <laughs> like, nope, no, thank you. So this is uh, when the... Right, what happens? Oh, yeah, so they shoot the two Mexicans. Yep. And then it's either this... I think it's the same night or the following night, uh, Patrick Wilson's w- woken up by a... What I believe from the way they discuss it later on, but you can't actually see, is a Mexican strangling or trying to kill Jack, and he stabs him in the shoulder, and then um, uh, Patrick Wilson shoots him, shoots him dead. Uh, but they also steal the horses. Yep. Oh, this is the bit as well where his horse is dying. Oh, it's so sad. He says that there's no way they stole his horse, and Richard Jenkins is like, why? Because he doesn't let your horse doesn't let black people ride him. Yeah, no, I agree. No, actually, yes. Yeah, uh, Saucy <laughs> wouldn't let a greaser rider. Uh, so he then finds out that his horse is actually there, but it's really struggling because it's been seriously injured. But it was a racist horse because it did not let a Mexican rider. Yeah. Uh, and now he has to put down his horse. So sad. <laughs> uh, so they need to walk. And can you imagine? So Patrick Wilson's got this broken leg and he's got... Not sad because the horse was a racist. Sad because he had to kill it. Because the horse wasn't he? Actually, a racist, surely to God. How can it distinguish? Well, all the other horses left with the Mexicans, except the horse that said that he said would not leave with the Mexicans because they were Mexican. Hey, but so, that horse wouldn't leave with anyone other than Matty Fox. That's the bond they had. It wasn't because it was a racist horse. I don't believe. Anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's always sad when implied. An, it's always sad when an animal dies because you can't you can't understand an animal's thought process. So therefore, you cannot judge. 
Uh, yeah, so they'll start, they have to start walking. And Patrick Wilson's got this dodgy leg, but he's got one crutch. And, like, can you imagine walking two days in a broken, infected leg? He needs two crutches for sure. Yeah. I don't know if crutches were easy to come by back in the wild plains. Yeah, sure they were. You just made them yourself with two bits of wood, two chopped in a tree, cut it up into two wee bits, put some uh, sack on it. <laughs> Done. I could make them now. I could make. I could make two crutches in 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, I think maybe just so he could also have a gun in one hand for the movie. It has to have one crutch. I suppose they have a gun now. All right. Okay. Um, I'll maybe skip over this note because it's definitely a tangent. Do you want me to read it anyway so the people don't feel as if they're missing out but we don't need to discuss it? It's yeah. obviously at some point in the one of the camps um, I'm assuming it's when Patrick Wilson meets back up with him and he introduces himself when he's walking in. So I've wrote oh yeah, to give a bit of context when they start walking obviously Patrick Wilson is uh, so slow because he's infected he takes a he goes early and they carry a lot of his stuff. They catch up with him and take over. And he says, keep going. I'll catch up with you when you sleep. So when he catches up with them sleeping, he doesn't want to emulate the, the Mexicans and get shot. So he, he, he announces himself as he walks in. So I'm, saying, I'm going to start announcing myself upon entering anywhere. It's Scott Hurley, don't shoot. Actually, actually, people should probably employ that method in America just now, especially when, de- <laughs> especially when dealing with the police. And definitely don't be a, a social justice warrior looking for likes online by making an example of the police because you could end up being dead and martyrs are fucking stupid. <laughs> Alright? There's a lot of stuff that's going through your head while watching this. <laughs> there really, really is. And I got up super early as well. I, got up, I, get, I, I set my alarm, I was a day off and I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning because I thought I, bet I need to get this in before the day starts because I can't wait till later on so I get in and I sat up early drink coffee and watching Cowboys man you can't beat it it's pretty good <laughs> so there is a fight between Matthew eh, not Matthew Fox by a fight between Patrick Wilson and Kurt Russell and Patrick Wilson's leg gets kind of quite seriously fucked and they have to they decide that they have to leave him there well, first they say, uh, Chickory's going to have to take your leg, and fuck that, which is pretty much what uh, Patrick Wilson said. Yeah. At which point they decided to leave him there. <laughs> they decided to set his leg, so yeah. Richard Jenkins hits it with a, a little kind of mallet to try and set the bone back in place, and for how little you see, that is still fucking brutal. Yeah. Oh, it'd be horrible. They, they, gave, they, they gave him like the heroin and cocaine and uh, whatever drugs shed in their wee pouch, and... Um, Patch passed out. Have you ever seen a bone get reset? No. Oh, I, I wanted some sort of medical story there. Oh no, no, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Oh, I can imagine it would make me whitey because looking at this, I was like, that does not sound like something I ever want to see or have happen to me. No, I can't imagine it'd be good. If I end up with a bone sticking out of some part of me, just fucking cut off just above that broken bone, I don't, I don't care. It's not going back in. So they are they are walking away after he's passed out and they've reset his leg and they're moving on with their with their job. They're pretty much walking away from him, expecting never to see him again. They're expecting him to either die in his sleep or not make it because he's so weak through this wilderness. To be honest, he was getting a little bit pissy. I would probably have left him at this point as well. Yeah, and Jack probably wants to find his like at some point of Jack wants to find his wife and bang her. So <laughs> really, you know what I mean? Realistically, <laughs> yeah. They do have that uh, discussion at some point. I don't know where it is in my notes because if they've left him, then it's obviously been. But uh, before they before they get ready to leave again, uh, Patrick Wilson does say again something along the lines of "Don't try it on with my wife," and uh, 
uh, Jack Satner, well, I did once before, and she turned me down and chose you, so, you know, like, you're, you're the guy who won here. Which is very nice of him to say. Yeah. And then he goes on to say how he's pretty much banged everybody in town. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the, the proper thing to say out loud in Cowboy Times, because everybody was so uh, Jesus-loving, unless you were smart enough to realise that that's a whole lot of fucking bullshit. You should watch more movies in the morning, because <laughs> shite that goes through your head. <laughs> Okay, um, there's a point, this is, I've got a wee criticism here at this point, Jack's walking about in his white suit and he's been stabbed in the shoulder from one of the Mexicans, and this, in this particular scene, the blood on his shoulder looks like raspberry jam, and then I thought, like, I wonder if the creators are annoyed by how that came out in the final movie, like, after they watched it, and then the scenes changed, and I was like, oh wait, now it's changed to a more believable colour in this scene, so obviously the way that movies are shot, they, they may not, it may have been two different outfits, it may have been two different days, it may have been, you know, continuity or whatever, but certainly in one scene, the colouring, it made it look really purple and kind of jam-like, and then the next scene it was a lot darker, like more blood-like. I just, that's just what I noticed when I was watching it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And here, it is, the movie has ramped up instantly. Brutal, fast, erratic, scary, brilliant. Do you want to tell them why? <laughs> No, you can tell them why. I forget what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, you get to the valley close to where David Arquette and Captain Spaulding get caught at the start and they get hit by a kind of volley of arrows from nowhere and these kind of tribesmen appear just... Every time the tribesmen appear, it's, it's suddenly... Like, you don't see them coming. It's just they're fucking there making these noises so they kill two of them is it then Matthew Fox Matthew Fox gets uh, yeah they, here, they all they all kind of get a couple of uh, yeah so they all get kind of beaten a couple of different ways I think uh, Matthew Fox gets stabbed with an arrow and then does, is it some kind of does a tomahawk hit him in the hand chop his hand off oh yeah sorry yeah they throw the tomahawk the bone tomahawk it takes his hand off and he, he says to fucking uh, Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins right wrap this up or cut it off yeah, like, yeah. so it doesn't get uh, 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 infected he knows he's fucked so he asks him to give him whatever dynamite they've got and don't come back until the dynamite's blew up because he's now going to try to sacrifice himself yeah because he says he's too vain to live a cripple so this is where he dies like this is the hell he dies on yeah uh, you could live without a hand <sighs> you know I think yeah I think I could because I don't really want to die because I've got proper uh, FOMO, and um, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't like live, I couldn't like die and then miss something. Like I mean, do you know what I mean like how could how could you die and then like never see the, the next Star Wars movie or see how The Walking Dead ends or do you know just like go never see like the pub again? I could. I could definitely die before finding out what happens in The Walking Dead. Well, I think we'll all die before we find out what happens in The Walking Dead, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. But... I, as long as they took my left hand, I, if they took my right hand, I'd be kind of fucked. I'm kind of fucked either way, because if they take my left hand, I can't write. If they take my right hand, I can't... Wank. Wank. Yeah. You could wank with your left hand, yeah. but it's just never as good. You've got to see, because you're not really in control of it, and it's like, you've got more chance of ripping the vinegar strip and... I just don't for you because you could go too hard. You know, you're not sure the the, the depth and pressure. Why is it called the vinegar strip? I don't know. I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? I, I I've never thought about a banjo string. Banjo string. 
and that would actually work in this movie, being that uh, it's also a time when they played banjo. Yeah. Why, vin- why vinegar strip? I don't know. I just, I, I think that that is a, I, I think it is called that. I think I don't think I've just made that up. Well, being the medical man, you should you should know if it, it's not officially called vinegar strip. <laughs> I'm not just thinking like if I masturbate hard enough, will vinegar come out of that bit? <laughs> No, it will commit your eyes if you rip it, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, we could be, neither of us really want to lose our hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Matthew Fox is sitting with a dynamite and he's like, right, I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice myself for you guys. Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins walk around the corner and a bone tomahawk comes out of absolutely nowhere, clean through Matthew Fox's head. Therefore, yeah, he did not save right. or sacrifice himself for anyone. He died immediately, and it's fucking brutal. Yeah, I mean, even just there's even the, the effects on the, one of the arrows that just previous this hits Richard Jenkins in the head and just like scuffs off like a whole big section of his skin, and it's just like a cut, but it's it's just there, and it looks like it's skin off, even if it's only a couple of layers of skin and not straight down to the bone. It still looks fucking brutal, and yeah. the way it was done, so so good. But uh, this is when a couple of the the Indians come running out and attack uh, Richard Jenkins and, and Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell's forced to deep throat that huge uh, huge bone, like <laughs> a real bone too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they've been kidnapped by the tribesmen, stripped up into the the, the cave. And this is when I thought it's sort of like a cowboy version of the Sonny Bean story for Scotland. You know, the cave dwelling but- cannibal family. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the writer has uh, would say that was an influence if he hasn't already said that. He'd probably say the House of Eyes were an influence, which was uh, and that was an influence by Sonny Bean. Yeah, so it's an influence of an influence. Hmm. The whole movie is basically a western, but imagine the bad guys aren't just bad cowboys. Imagine the bad guys are something from a horror movie. Imagine it's something different. It's something otherworldly, and dark and I'm so surprised it's not been done before or if it has it's not been done as well as this because it's quite a basic concept but this is this movie knocks out of the park with how well it handles that concept yeah so they, they these beast being things have bones that they've put into their yeah, own throat that, but I couldn't work out they, they evolved to grow that because later on as we'll get to and spoil like um they take one out and it's all attached to like veins and sinew. So is that did they did they put put them in their own throats? Do you think? I, I think they would put them in their own throats because, because I have to evolution that, doesn't work that quickly. I have enough, and you have to assume that when there's they've got a couple of them have got like bones like coming out their cheeks that they've been in like big piercings they've been implanted rather than grew obviously. Yeah, so they they get a kind of a bone. That when they screech or roar, it comes out as this kind of guttural, fucking primal noise. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a whistle and scream. But see, we keep hearing this, right? This eerie whistle and howling in the distance. It's obviously how they're communicating. But what would you ever evolve to a way of non-speaking, like howling and whistling? Surely language demonstrates intelligence at a base level. Like, why would you? Why would they? Why? Why would they go? Because surely, if they're human enough, right? If they're if they've evolved to human. And they're not like regular Native American Indians who have, who have language, who still the language is still living. That 
these guys would just think, oh, you know what? I can't be bothered to speak to you anymore. I'm going to cut up my throat and stick this bone in and I'll whistle at you for the next, you know, forever. But, but these guys are kind of animals. They live in a cave. They are cannibals. They probably don't have a language. A bit like early cavemen, it probably is grunts and screams and stuff and that's how they... Uh, well, mind the kids, Joseph Fritzl's daughter, her, her kids were communicating with like barking and stuff because they didn't really know a lot of language. So it's just a wee bit like that, except they're up in a cave, so they only know screams and grunts. Yeah. But then eventually they get pulled up into the cave and they are met with Patrick Wilson's wife, yep. the doctor who they've been looking for, and the deputy. David Arquette's not there, and they reveal that David Arquette had been eaten, and that's when you're like, oh shit, man, they're cannibals. Mm. And Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins get put into this kind of homemade prison in the cave, which I think would actually be really easy to get out of, because those guys are just pushing the bars in with their hands, so surely a human can push them back out with their hands. Yeah, I kind of thought, looked at it, I thought that surely that, like, they were banging the, the poles and they weren't moving in the slightest, I thought, surely that would you would be able to, you know, like bang your way out of that. Yeah, like you'd at least get it budging. Yeah. It's because they push the nail into a hole that's already there, and obviously the more you do that, the wider the hole gets. Yeah. And it would just slide out. But that is the the only foible I can find in this film. Yeah. Now, this is the point where they come back in and take uh, Deputy Nick out of his cage and murder him right in front of everyone. Can you imagine... Now, it's also quite sad as well because he's, is it, they're preparing to murder him. He's like saying, like, send my stuff to my brothers. It's it's their stuff, it's not mine, it's theirs. And let everybody that I love know, you know. And Kurt Russell's like, yeah, yeah, I promise, I promise I will. But can you imagine watching someone you know and care about be butchered alive right in front of you and in a needlessly violent way? Also, chops in half right through the dick. Oh, it's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they turn him up, they scalp him first, which is done amazingly well. It really, like, see when you think of any western you've ever seen where they talk about, like, when it's cowboys and Indians and it's scalping, and this movie does it as so brutal, like, cutting your, the top of your head off. I think you die from that anyway, like, given time. Yeah, given time, but that's what the, the Indians used to do. They used to scalp. People, yeah, I know, so. I know. But they, it's like this This tribe don't even take it as, like, a, a prize. They cut, cut it off and then just shove it in his mouth. Yeah, it's one of the most brutal scenes in recent cinema. Yeah, can I remember when I actually watched this for the first time? Me and Lena done it uh, with back to back with Green Inferno. Yeah. Um, oh my god, I was actually just thinking of Green Inferno there as well when I was thinking about the the boy getting killed in that one too. Uh, it's very similar. Yeah. Really, obviously this I, I enjoy Green Inferno, but this blows it. Oh the water. yeah, one hundred percent. But see when they were see when they were preparing Nick and they had his they were stretching his arms out. I was in my head. I was thinking they're going to chop his arms off right in front of us, but. It, that didn't happen but then just as I was just before you mentioned it they are mentioning Green Inferno when that boy's like limbs get chopped off that's yeah. that is like the same my it's totally as relatable similar so it is oh it's done so well and I think that this is a a movie that you should put up when MD says like oh why choose practical effects over CGI I don't think there's anyone out there that is asking that question <laughs> but if they were this is the movie you show them because the practical scalping and body ripping in half is way more effective than if that was a CGI body getting torn apart. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And you've mentioned that a couple of times in this episode already, but they really nail the sound effects in this film. Like, whatever oh, yeah. sound effects they use for destroying a body, it really, really, really 
sounds like it. Like when they cut through his like dick and gooch, and then just pull like it sounds exactly what it would sound like. What you think it would sound like pulling a spine, like and like body apart, and he's always inside, just falling out on the floor. I'm glad you corrected that as to what you think it would sound like from. <laughs> it sounds exactly like how it would sound. <laughs> But do you know what? This is this is also done in a way better way than in Terrifier. But somehow that that's getting more recognition because for some unknown reason the horror community is desperate to make fucking Art the Clown a thing. I don't. I, I, Terrifier is a, a film that I can't get on board with. Just, just it's fucking garbage. There's no story. There's nothing. It's it's genuine. It's the exact definition of torture porn. It's just a guy just the clown. Or there's some kind of supernatural bullshit involved in it as well. Who just beats up a couple of women for an hour and a half, and you're like. What's the point? What has been the point of this movie? I don't know. But the, yeah. the horror community fucking loves it, or a good percentage of them do, certainly the ones that I see on Instagram. They love it, and they want to make him, like, Art the Clown, as big as, like, Leatherface, or fucking Jason, or Freddy. Like, go and bolt. The, the, the clown's face is quite creepy looking, but that's it. it doesn't have anything else. So when yeah. they come out saying, like, oh, by the way, there might be a sequel, it's like, that is a sequel what, that yeah? I do not need. No, absolutely not. I'm not for it. But anyway, back to the awesome cowboys. Uh, so yeah, he's been ripped in half and they just start eating him in front of everyone. And it's not nice. Yeah. So we have got... Um, we find out that the, the, there's a kind of discussion back and forth with uh, uh, Patrick Wilson's wife and the sheriff. And uh, she's worried that he's got to come and find her because he's a cripple and all the rest of it. But... We get to then see a scene of uh, Patrick Wilson Kane getting the better of a couple of them, because mm-hmm. uh, he's waiting and they and he's he's uh, using the whistle thing to lure them out. He's using the bone thing that he's pulled from the throat to as like a like if you go hunting ducks and stuff and you use a wee yeah, whistle yeah. that sounds like you're a horny duck. So he's managed, but he's managed to kill a couple of them first. So they pretended to sleep. No, he was just lucky. In fact, wasn't he? Because they shot an arrow and it missed. And that alerted him, alerted him to the two that were sneaking up him, and he shot both of them. In fact, that's actually really quite a tense scene because they're they're bone arrow, and they're some kind of they're weird in their savage ways, as if they say they don't really care about getting killed, so they don't feel any intense like urgency to kill Patrick Wilson, who's got a gun. They just like slowly like pulling the bone arrow, so he shoots one of them, and then he and he kind of tries to shoot the other. He misses a couple of times, and he's ran out of bullets, and then he's trying to reload his gun while the other ones like. Like pulling the bone arrow together and stuff, but obviously Patrick Wilson wins, and then that's when he goes in and like pulls the the windpipe thing out, which is again it's the practical effect that they use. And like you said earlier on, like sometimes you can tell it totally is not a real body, but it's still practical effect that's done good enough to pass in this movie. And the Indian that's lying dead that he pulls the throat thing out of the head's a bit. It's not one hundred percent believable, but it's you know overall it is pretty good. Aye. But at that at that point, you're so engrossed in the film that I think they could literally have a potato there and it's the head, <laughs> yeah. and I would still I'd still be a hundred percent on board and believe it. Yeah. So then Patrick Wilson is getting closer to the cave, and inside the cave, Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins have got the kind of poison from the doctor's bag, mm-hmm. and they are going to try and poison some of the tribesmen, which they do. Yeah, they fill it in a wee hip flask and uh, three of them come in and two of them drink it. One of them takes a big gulp, the other one finishes the whole bottle and the other one doesn't get any. So they throw in yeah. a wee fire, they get a wee fire pit. I wonder, do you think that cave would be roasting or just nice and warm? Probably just nice and warm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when I'm watching this bit, right, 
uh, it wasn't. It's not a first watch, but I couldn't remember how it ended, and uh, I thought Kurt Russell was going to make it out, but they pull him out of his uh, cell. They come back. <coughs> they come back in, uh, pull him out of his cell, and they sl- they cut open his belly, and then take the hip flask off the fire and stick it in the open wound. It's like what? I mean, what was? What do you think the intention was? We sticking that inside his tummy, like? I think it was. Well, to be fair, actually, it would work if the liquid that was in the hip flask could have get out. Obviously, the poison was in the hip flask, so by cutting him open and putting the poison directly into him, they think in their primal way that this would kill him. Obviously, the the, the liquid isn't in the hip flask and none can go through, but I can imagine that that's what they were thinking. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a good ass, actually, pretty good. Uh, but the, the the good thing at this point as well is the doctors kind of told them that she thinks there's 12 so Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins were working out right how many have we killed how many have we still to go so the whole kind of last third of the movie every time one of them dies even the audience are like right fuck we've got five left we've got four left <laughs> it's tense as fuck and then at this point everyone does believe that Kurt Russell will get out and does he? Well, they're, at this point, they're about to shoot his dick off. <laughs> and the bullets don't work. Well, the there's bullets. no bullets in the gun. Yeah. Oh, he just doesn't know how to load it, because then he figures it out, does he not? Yeah, yes, he does. But then they get the better hand, because this is when uh, they get one of the bone tomahawks and chop off the toes. Yeah. And then just fucking chop off a head. It's like, that's brilliant. Yeah. And, you, yeah, and when you're watching it, you're like, fucking go on kill these bastards because yeah. everything you've seen them do has just been so animalistic and awful yeah no he's been he's been shot uh, Carlos has been shot because he's pretty much other than obviously having the hip flask put in his belly and then being shot as well he's he is feeling like he's going to die um, but uh, Patrick Wilson has made it and like came to the rescue almost he's come in and released uh, Richard Jenkins and his wife and Kurt Russell says look I'm, I'm not making it home tell my wife I love her and uh, he just assumes that Richard Jenkins paid attention to what Nick was saying to like forward his belongings and whatever else because he doesn't tell uh, Richard Jenkins to make sure that that happens after he promised Nick um, that he would do it before Nick got cut in half. Mm. So, you know, I really hope that he did do it. Uh, and Kurt Russell gets given the gun and he says, oh, you then know there's three left. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the guys leave the cave and as they're leaving, they look up and you hear a gunshot. And then another gunshot, and then it's a wee bit of a wait, and then you hear the third gunshot, implying, I assume, that Kurt Russell has killed all three of them, and then died a hero. Obviously, he might have fired three shots into the cave and been fucking molested by these <laughs> But as a, as a lover and a fan of Kurt Russell, I like to think that he killed all three of them. Is that right? <laughs> now, Malas, so that's what the gunshots were? Yeah. Fuck me, man. I have, I have my last note is uh, the gunshots at the end. Was that the cavalry coming? <laughs> Perhaps the sheriff from the neighbouring town that the mayor was was supposed to inform. I didn't even, I didn't even click that it was Kurt Russell shooting the last three guys. What a fucking idiot I am. <laughs> <laughs> Lover of cowboys. Simpleton for cinema. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it's because it comes from the cave. I think it's just meant to leave it up in there that if you want a 
obviously there's no happy ending here, but if you want a kind of more positive ending, then Kurt Russell managed to kill the three and that's it, the tribesmen are all dead. Obviously he could have just fired shots, he could have killed one of them, he could have killed two of them, he could have killed none of them, and they're still there. So it's, you kind of make up your own mind, but I think Kurt Russell definitely did it, because Kurt Russell can't die, he can't die. <laughs> yeah, I think he did yeah. too. Yeah, and that was Bone Tomahawk. Fucking brilliant. Do you want so I it's so brilliant you didn't understand the end of it? No, you will. I didn't I mean it didn't I understand I the majority of the end I understood. <laughs> See, this now it makes sense as to all the other shite you've been spouting. <laughs> because you spent so long in your head thinking about horse riding lessons and <laughs> uh, what you would be like as a cowboy that you've not actually paid attention to the, to the film. Yeah. Just that last <laughs> Resection. <laughs> uh, so, I, what, what's your final summation of Bone Tomahawk? It's a long film, but that's not a criticism. And it has all the hallmarks of a slow burn because it ramps right up at the end. And, you know, our assailants, we see that we got a wee glimpse at the start, um, the very start, and then the glimpse when they kill the stable boy. But other than that, we don't really see the bad guys until the very end. Even the hardships they face along the way, like when the horses are stolen, uh, that's the Mexicans and not the Indians. So it's uh, so yeah, it's got all these hallmarks of a of a slow burn. That's not to say that the first three quarters of the movie are slow by any means. It doesn't feel two hours long. It's entertaining every step of the way, and the payoff, much like the end of the Hills Have Eyes remake, is heavily heavily worth it. That underdog fighting back is always triumphant to watch. Maybe one or two more brutal gut punching revenge kills, but other than that, it's a perfect movie. Perfect mix of western horror, and I gave it four scallops out of five. I went through IMDb and looked at some of like, the negative reviews because this is one of those films where I'm like, how how can you have a negative opinion in this? Yeah. Like, what is it folk don't like? And the people that are saying it's too long, far too long, two hours. It's it's a western. Yeah. Like, at its core, it's a western. Fucking John Wayne movies, they'd be very few and far between. Were under two hours, so it has to be long and epic to be the western. You you know that going in. So if you're complaining about the time, then personally you're an idiot. <laughs> I think it's absolutely brilliant. The the brutality is so good. The acting is out of the park by everyone. The only one I would have an issue with is David Arquette, but it's only because David Arquette plays it as David Arquette plays Definitely. every character. I still don't quite understand how he is where he is. <laughs> everyone else I think is absolutely brilliant there's one review on IMDB that I have to read out because this guy totally missed the point of this film right. uh, it's one one star out of ten and I'm going to read it as it is verbatim because it then kind of shows just how thick some people are so okay. good movie for racist <laughs> I watched this movie up to a certain point and stopped I could tell immediately it's low budget and poorly written. <laughs> I could compare this movie to a slow bus ride in a Republican state where you address all whites as sir and all blacks as negra or coloured. There is actually a scene where these so-called troglodytes, basic cannibal-like Indians, kill a black man but won't eat him because even though they are monsters they believe nigger blood is poisonous. Maybe the movie corrects itself. I don't care to know or watch any more of it. I found the movie to be a celebration of the great white spirit of the West through the eyes of white writers. Anyone whose skin is darker than a brown paper bag is pretty much kinda bad. 
Now, the only word that he spelt right was troglodytes. <laughs> the hardest word to spell there. <laughs> so only word they got right. I'm thinking, mate, you are totally looking for things in the wrong place there. Absolutely, like that's, uh, you know, infuriating that that the the IMDb score of Bone Tomahawk is lowered ever so slightly by this guy that is just assuming that this is a racist movie, and it, I, I don't I don't understand how it can be racist. It's core. They make a joke where they say, "Oh, why did they leave the the, the, the black guy?" Is it because the Richard Jane says, "Is it because the blood's poisonous?" That's it. They don't they don't go into it. They don't actually make it out that that's why. And for to review a movie with one star, spelt the way it is, IMDb needs to have a thing that you have to register to leave reviews, and you have to actually pass some sort of fucking credibility test. Yeah, like who was in it? Who was he calling racist? The writers, because certainly the characters weren't, other than maybe the villains, the yeah. the savage Indians, if they if they generally wouldn't eat like a black person because of the color of their skin. They mentioned it at the time. The Native American Indian who was the expert on this tribe said they, they won't eat um, black folk because for whatever reason. Um, they're treating the Native American Indian expert as an equal, the white guys are, and there's two black guys in the saloon who are working, who are in the town, who they're treating them as equals, and then as they, as they leave, they say, make sure the stable boy gets a proper burial because he's got no family here. So, like, at what, what, what point was... I know. Did you think it was a racist film? That's why when I see that, I was like, I need to read that review because it's so out of this world, stupid. Something. <laughs> you know what, people, honestly, like, oh my god. And also, how the fuck did he, he manage to spell troglodyte? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I can only assume it was autocorrect or that, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but for me, Bone Tomahawk is, I'll never say it's a perfect movie, but it's a 5 out of 5 oh, really? every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely love it. The even his next film, the Riot in Cell Block ninety nine. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That was him as well. Oh, but it's also you, fucking excellent. This is the director. Yes. And then he went on to do Drag the Cross Across Concrete, but I've yes. not seen that yet. Have you seen that? I've not. No. And then there's also been online that the him and the writer are going back to do another bloody violent western movie. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that. That'll be good. I know. So, yeah, 5 out of 5. And it makes me think that we, me and you, should do a. Since I'm at my Samurai, you're in. A spin off Western podcast. A spin off Western podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because me and you, I'm at Samurai, and you're in a Westerns, I thought about doing a spin off. No, I'm joking. I thought about (laughs) doing a Samurai v Cowboy film that we'll write and we'll go out and film. Obviously, I need to CGI my face to make me Japanese, and we'll need to CGI your face to make you look like an actual rugged man who would survive in the Wild West. Uh, but I think we could. I think we could do it. Yeah. Obviously, the cowboys are going to win because they get bullets and they're faster than swords. But yeah, we definitely could do it. Not faster than swords. There's some swordsmen out there that can easily stop bullets. <laughs> okay. So there you go. But that'd be an excellent. Like, let's do the like Tarantino's Hateful Eight. It has the epic fucking scope of a western or samurai movie, but it's about them against each other. Not cowboys v aliens, cowboys v samurais, and it'll be fucking amazing. And we can, we'll we'll do it. We'll record it. We'll go down to Strathclyde Park and just film it in a field. Right. Sounds good. Yeah, me too. 
Sweet. Uh, so we'll take a short break just now and then we'll be back to discuss what we've been watching, if anything. What up, fuckers? It's Bam Margera here from Jackass and Viva La Bam, and you are listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So, have you been watching anything interesting? Well, I've not been watching too much things that's interesting. I've just been hanging out with little 10-year-old boys, and we've been going around to the fun fair, and we got married, but don't tell anybody about our special relationship because people won't understand, and they, people are just ignorant. They don't get it. What we have is love, and if anybody finds out that what we do with a special place, uh, when I get you to bend over and pull your cheeks apart so I can look at your butthole while I touch myself, and we'll both go to jail forever. So we're watching more John Wayne movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the gist of uh, Finding Neverland, the Michael Jackson uh, documentary. However, he is dead and he can't defend himself. But again, on the same same vein, Jimmy Savile was dead and because he looked like a fucking crazy, creepy paedophile, we're all like, no, he's definitely a big pedo man, take his name off of everything. Michael <laughs> Jackson is pretty much 100% a pedo but like nah but these songs are pretty good though can we just say that it, can we just call them Quincy Jones songs so we can still listen to them and then we'll just you know Jacko was a pedo but his songs are pretty good you know <laughs> I've not watched Finding Neverland yet I do I do firmly believe that he was a pedophile there's a there's a, lo- there's a lot of stuff in that in that documentary uh, from the way that the two guys are talking um, and discussing and describing stuff like they properly like that discussing like genuinely says that he get me to bend over and pull my cheeks apart so he could see my butthole and then no sorry anus because they they use proper words like penis and anus and then they say um, it's like survivor honestly it's like abuse survivors like the way that they they describe it as if they've been through a lot of therapy and then at the the end of the episode one he says and then uh, it progressed and now. Um, uh, Michael would uh, stick his tongue up a butthole. <laughs> like, whoa! My notes actually, I started taking notes when I was watching it because I was making jokes because at the beginning, Michael Jackson took one of the wee boys to the set of uh, Indiana Jones. And I thought, oh man, that's so good. He went to the set of Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford showed me how to use the bullwhip and then he let me keep the bullwhip. And I was like, fucking hell, that's so good. Uh, like, like I was going to make a joke about how, you know, I would, you know I'd let Michael Jackson tickle my butthole <laughs> for, a, for it to meet Indiana Jones. Fuck I. And then my next note is, manipulated the kid into asking if he could suck his dick. That's how all master uh, manipulators work. Make it think it's the kid's idea. And then my next... Again, I would still suck a dick for a short year. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then uh, my third and last note, because uh, for it was, actually, this is getting really disturbing. This is really sad. And the aftermath of the harsh reality of a master manipulator grooming a whole family so he could fuck a young boy is just like, wow. But again... Like I say, he's dead, so there's no, there's no, you know, there's no rounded conclusion. Yeah. He's went, he went to trial, he went to court, and he was found not guilty. So I need to watch it because I don't. I obviously, from an outsider's point of view, when I'm looking at it going, well, these folk, because I'm reading all the obviously, there's a lot of Michael Jackson fans that are posting up all the things that are wrong about the documentary. Yeah, and saying like they they have lied before, they've been done for perjury. I'm like, right, cool, I need to watch it and make up my own mind because why are we believing these folk that have lied on the stand before? But according to Lena and other people that I've spoke to, it's quite damning as to why they had to lie. And yeah, he obviously was. Yeah, see if, yeah see, if, see if that behaviour was perpetrated by anyone else who wasn't a bajillionaire, the king of pop, and the mega, mega famous person with people who would cry if they seen him, like literally scream and cry for him. He like if that was just if that was like regular Joe who acted like that around around the kid the way that he did like some of the video evidence of the way that he acts with all these young boys 
fucking pedo for sure. Absolutely pedo for sure. You do less than that and you called the pedo. You know? That brings us to the new uh, segment of the show. What wouldn't you put up your ass for a shorty Harrison <laughs> Ford's <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, find the Neverland. Find the Neverland or leave the Neverland? Yeah, leave the Neverland. Find the Neverland was a different documentary, I think. Um, possibly the one that he tried to say that he wasn't a pedo and tried to say it as if he was fun and good. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, so are you watching anything else? Or I also watch the Madeleine McCann documentary. It's all about um, the, the abusing kids these days. Oh, I watched that as well. No, it's not all about abusing kids. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, this is an this is an eight part documentary, and again, this one this one gives you shift uh, to me personally when I watched it. It gave me shifting um, views on what I thought had happened or what I think had happened, and ultimately, no, not really a lot of people know what happened. If anyone. So you can't conclusively say, you know, what happened. I know. See with this one, yeah. I think it was dragged out so severely that you could have done this whole eight episodes in two. Yeah, no, I thought that was going to be the case before watching it, but I I was enthralled the whole. I was sitting and watched the whole and over the course of like eight episodes, maybe four or five nights. And me and Lauren watched the whole thing all the way through, and I was like, that was enthralled the whole way through because I thought there was enough information as it changed and changed and changed as it got through. Um, there was one episode that was basically retelling the same bit, and it got to the point it's like, oh, pedophiles are bad. And I'm like, why did they even need an episode for that? We all know pedos are bad, apart from <laughs> pedos. So we can, we can skip that, but it's still a very good watch. Did you, so from your opinion before you watched it and your opinion at the end, has it changed? Well, my opinion watching like the first couple of episodes was pretty much like when they walked out and done that first uh, that first press conference, if you will, and it was uh, Jerry McCann coming out. Hi guys, okay, just want to ask uh, one question. Um, where is, do you have Madeline? Yes or no? It's an easy question, why can't you just answer yes or no? <laughs> Come on, I'm asking it. Where do you have Madeline? Yes or no? Um, but this is just, I wish, you know, I don't know where she's went. Uh, I just wish someone could give her back because this is ruining her holiday. We were at the Tapas Bar, which is so delicious. I was on my second bottle of red wine, and it's um, not the most expensive one on on the list, but it was. Oh, was that Kate? Oh, stay on topic. Oh, yes, make us look good. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, end of the day, guys. Joke's over. If you just give her back, that would be great. Thank you very much. I was like, hey, good evening, father. Quite, quite heavily paraphrased. No, that's, did I get a different episode than you got? <laughs> but. So at the beginning, the first couple of episodes largely set out for you to think, fuck me, man, the, the parents have done this or the parents know what's happened. But then as you get towards the end, you're like, well, maybe just because just because they might be, like, show their emotions differently, like maybe just because he isn't greeting or whatever to the screen doesn't necessarily mean that he's killed or arranged the kidnap of his kid. You know, like, yeah. there was a lot of inconsistencies and there was a lot of crap done, like, mistakes made by the Portuguese police. And, like, you know, and the thing is, because there is no conclusive evidence, like, the police chief is, still believes it. Obviously, he's wrote that book and he's on that documentary saying, yes, definitely. Um, and there's other people like, um, who, who believe that they're innocent, like the millionaire and then the priest and his wife and stuff. There's a, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but... I do know, right, one, they should have been charged for neglect for leaving the kids. Yeah. And I was surprised about how many people were on that show saying, oh, that's just what you've done. You, you would never do that. I, I'm, I'm, uh, like, we are uh, obviously younger 
uh, sorry, older than Marilyn McCann, we remember her being taken. I remember going holidays 10 years before this happened, or even longer than that, and never being left alone as kids. I remember being in restaurants, sleeping on, on chairs, Dawn sleeping in a buggy, and like us all sprawled about, shattered and tired, because our parents took kept us with them, you know? We never left alone. Wait, you make your parents look like serious raging alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do, do you know what I mean? Like, you were never like, oh, they'll be yeah. fine. We'll just check them every twenty minutes. Do you know? That's fucking yeah. nonsense. You wouldn't leave. You wouldn't leave them in your own house. Do you know? Yeah, that that's the bit. That before before I watched this, I had it in my head because of the the. And we're not really spoiling the documentary. Obviously, a lot of people know this. Go watch the documentary first, and then maybe come back and listen to what we were saying. The the the, the things with the blood and stuff. I read that in passing in the paper and I had it in my head that, well, the parents done it. The documentary kind of made me think that, do you know what, I need to be on the fence because there's no evidence conclusive to one side or The worst people in this that are a definite fucking villain are the Portuguese police because they are a shambles. I would they are say, yeah, fucking well, awful. I, there was, I, but I would also say that the biggest villains in this whole story were the media. Oh yeah, yeah. The media, false uh, headlines, the exaggerated headlines, the the flippant statements. That's that's what made us believe. That's like, that's like, uh, was it this one? What episode we were talking about? I fuck, I don't know. We talked about something this specifics um, uh, recently, anyway. And it's grabbing bits from headlines and then just you know running with it and then making up your own your own mind. Um, so the the media have fucking totally done it. And like the whole part about. The, the, the blood and all the rest of it and it's, it is a good point because the dog's obviously found the scent of blood or the scent of like a dead body in these specific areas but you know, if, again that's only works if you're backed up by evidence then found in that area that the dogs have pointed out I mean the dog could just yeah. be like saying oh fuck I didn't go for a pee before I came in here yeah you know it's it's, it's even I'm watching it and on Facebook the amount of people that are like oh fucking McCann's done it and they're posting all the memes that have been posted for years and talking about it. I'm now at the point where I'm reading it and I'm actually getting quite, quite wound up because I'm like, no, I genuinely as innocent until proven guilty. Alright, they neglected the, the their kids, definitely. The, everyone that was at that table neglected their kids. There, there should be a punishment for that. To then paint them as fucking child murders and everything else they've done when everything else has been conjecture. Maybe it, maybe somebody has actually stole that lassie, and I they did something so stupid by leaving the kids there. But does does anyone deserve to be painted the way that they've been painted, without conclusive evidence? I, by the end of the documentary, I was getting wound up. I was like, I'm in the fence. I can't yeah. say they done it or didn't do it, yeah. and I can't say that she's been kidnapped or not been kidnapped. And it, it's actually the whole series has made me infuriated. <laughs> made me infuriated because I'm now. I don't have an answer at all. I don't even have a, a, an idea of an answer. And I don't think we'll ever, ever find out. I don't think in even years. Because see if they did it. Why are they still pushing so hard to get her found? See if you if you killed your daughter. And when eventually, 11 years later, it started to die down a wee bit. Then you're going to fucking leave it. Yeah, oh no, this documentary wasn't them though. They hate this documentary. I, but that's what else I don't get because it actually it makes them look better than they look yeah, before it, the documentary it, came yeah, out. Yeah, it finishes up making them look actually quite good, and that's the thing is is as well. Like you need to take like you know like all the evidence and like say I was I was totally 
I thought they had something to do. I always thought they were suspicious, but that was because I was led by the, the, the media. And then watching this documentary, again, but that's that's only going by this documentary's narrative. Like, what are they leaving? Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the hardest part about today's, or maybe always, but like, watching stuff like this, you need to always question everything. You, you can't, you, we can't definitively know all the details of this case unless we've like you know seen or read all the details of the case ourselves which we'll never get access to because they're you know a lot of them are police files there's a lot of inconsistencies there's a lot of mistakes there's a lot of um questionable behaviors from the parents so you can lead to all these different wild outcomes however you really don't know what's what's happened other than yeah. that madeline mccann disappeared and was never ever found again um one thing certainly is for the case of the, the one of the first suspects, Robert Murat, just because you look like a pedo doesn't make you a pedo, which is, again, a testament to the guy from Alton called Dobo that we ran out of town. <laughs> um, <laughs> but do you know what, what annoyed me in the, in the de- uh, documentary so much? That, I don't know if it's because I've watched Liam Neeson's Taken, right? But if it was a child sex trafficking gang that stole her, you've got a very, very small window of opportunity to get her back, right? Liam Neeson mm-hmm. said that's like two days. They, well, for a start, it was, they went to sleep at like four o'clock in the morning for a couple of hours before they went back out and searched. Right? You wouldn't do that. But they kept continually saying, search Portugal. Or better yet, search Prior Deluge. Instantly, you'd been checking Spain. You'd have been checking Morocco. You'd have been checking everywhere. Yeah. They kept localising it to that town. You think, well, if she's been kidnapped, she is fucking gone. Yeah. Which, I but... Just- I, do you want to know, I hope I hope we do find out in a lifetime, and I hope it's one of those stories where she can, she's like is like twenty and thinks that it's been thinking. She's thinking to herself right now. She's somewhere maybe like in a rich like American, you know, because it, it would need to be bought by a wealthy uh, white family because she would stand out a mile if she's went anywhere else. So she's sitting somewhere maybe in California in a house watching Netflix. Maybe you listen to this this podcast. You never know who she could be, and she's watching the Madeline McCann um, documentary on Netflix and being like, do you know what? I think that's me. I think that is actually me. And then she'll come out and say it. I think, and it's a horrible thing, but in me is, if she is out there and does get found, it's one of those things that you think the things that have probably happened to her over the years, if she has been kidnapped and stuff, are so fucking awful that I'd rather she was dead. Well, yeah, but, uh, Elizabeth Fritzel came out the other side, okay? Apparently she's doing fine. Well, I suppose. Uh, what, what gets me with it is if people are so fucking adamant that the parents did it, but why at this point would you still be ploughing money into it and trying to find your daughter if knowing that you're doing it is putting you under a bigger microscope than you would be under 11 years later? That if you have had something to do with it, you are going to get found. That's what makes me think they've actually not got a lot to do with it because they're just they're putting a spotlight on themselves that they don't need to. Yeah. And I just I don't know. So watch a documentary because it's if you if you already have preconceived notions going in, it will swing it. Like it, it will take you in and out of every every idea. Yeah. And I think that's very, very good documentary making. I think they could have done it in a few episodes rather than eight, but Hey-ho. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. But again, I guess so then make up your own mind. But uh, ultimately, well, none of these will be any further forward because nobody knows what happened. Yeah. So, at least nobody in this documentary uh, decided to just 
chug the guy off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So, is that it? Have you been watching it? Is it just all been child kidnap, murder, and abuse? Uh, yeah, and some uh, during the day, now that I'm off work for 12 days, I've been watching old fashioned cowboy films. Yeah, some black and white ones as well, so you'd be impressed. Uh, what have you been watching? Uh, today it was The Iron Sheriff, um, and uh, earlier on it was The Cowboy, so that one's in colour. That's the John Wayne one. That's a good film. I watched El Dorado last night. Yeah? Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Very good. Howard Hawks. Mm-hmm. Very similar to John Carpenter. John Carpenter's like hero was Howard Hawks. So when you watch those ones, see the similarities between that and like Assault and Precinct Thirteen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, cool. So that has been a long episode, mm-hmm. uh, and we have touched on some dodgy subjects that we usually wouldn't touch on. <laughs> so let us know what you think. <laughs> I just get too excited. I get too excited. I get too uh, ramped up. Get to you were erect from the start and. Are you still awake now? Or is no, it well, it, made, it, it made it quite confusing uh, talking about the end subjects when I was <laughs> last, you know. It's still, it's still so erect. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. If you're going to go into an episode full mass, you've got to come out with it full mass. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you very much for listening and you can find us on the website scotlandversusevil.com You can find us in the Facebook group and on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes. Have I missed anything out? I think that's everything you've got at all. Uh, sweet so we'll be back next week with uh, in fact quite quickly if you're not in the group but you're listening to older episodes if you come across anything that is you find funny you find incorrect (laughs) or you find that just something that makes you feel warm or outraged can you drop us an email and let us know what episode it's in and the time signature because we're trying to get a little best of put together for episode 100 around that time and we, I cannot yeah, we cannot be, be bothered. Yeah, I cannot be fucked listening to my own voice for uh, 90 odd episodes. Yeah. It's just, it's not happening. So, if you are listening, uh, Lane has no- noticed, uh, noted some things down, and I think we're going to do a segment that's just all Scots uh, accents. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say all my stuttering, but I had that. <laughs> no, no. It'll just be Scott's accent corner, and I think that'll be an episode in itself, and that'll be fucking hilarious. <laughs> but so, if you're listening to old episodes, if you can just drop us a message, an email, whatever, uh, and let us know where the bit is that you think we should include in it, that would really help us out. And if not, doesn't matter. Cheers for listening, and we'll see you guys for episode ninety-three, which is my pick. And just to kill Scott's hard on a wee bit, we'll make sure it's not a cowboy film. Ugh. <laughs> Bye. All right, Liam, saddle up. Let's ride off into the sunset. Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider, no you don't want nada, none of this, six gunning this, brother running this, buffalo soldier, look it's like I told ya, any damsel that's in distress, be out of that dress when she meet Jim West, rough neck, so go check the lawn and vibe, watch your step reflect and get a hole in your side, swallow your pride, don't let your lip react, you don't wanna see my hand where my hip be at, with Artemis from the start of this, running the game, James West, taming the West, so remember the name, now who you gonna call, now who you gonna call, if you ever rip with people wanna bust, break out before you get bum rushed at the Wild Wild West. When I roll into the Wild Wild West. When I stroll into the Wild Wild West. When I bounce into the Wild Wild West. It's cold, it's cold.
now, once upon a time in the West, madman lost his damn mind in the West, loveless, getting up and down, nothing less, now I must put this behind to the test, then through the shadows, in the saddle, ready for battle, bring all your poison, it kind of poison, behind my back, all everything you did, front and center, now where you lip at, kid, who that is, a mean brother, bow for your health, looking damn good though, if I can say it myself, told me loveless is a madman, but I don't fear that, he got mad weapons too, ain't trying to hear that, trying to bring down me, the champion, when y'all clowns gonna see that it can't be done, understand me son, I'm the slickest they is, I'm the quickest they is, did I say I'm the slickest they is, so if you barking after, wrong tree we coming, don't be starting nothing, me and my partner gonna test your chest, loveless, can't stand the heat, to get out the wild, 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 w